Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. Especially in marketing, is that speed is a weapon. I think rather than debating adjectives and font and color, which matter, like I believe in those things deeply, going quickly and being able to follow the signals is more important in my opinion. And I think we're, we're doing a good job of, you know, talking about what's working, acknowledging what's not, and then just quick iteration with the CEO at the helm, who's at the core of everything that we're doing. I think there's a ton to be said. I'm here with Mike. I'm excited. We've been connected for a while, but this is the first time we're connecting face-to-face. So it's always good to meet someone that we've seen around for a while, but I want to everybody to get to know who you are. So could you give a little bit of background how you got into becoming a CRO of Red Dynamics? Yeah, certainly, Daniel. Thank you a ton for having me. My name is Mike Wilbur, and I'll start at current state. I'm the chief revenue officer of a fast-growing company called Red Dynamics. We sell software to uh, the multifamily industry, so to the biggest owners and um, apartment managers across the country. I was fortunate to be recruited out of college to join Nike. And I spent the first five and a half years at, at Nike's world headquarters, sitting in product creation, managing the technology stack. Sounds sexy, but it was pretty granular work, but I definitely learned the power of storytelling. And uh, back in 2015, saw an opportunity to make a big move. And that's when I joined the technology side of you know business. And I joined my first early stage growth company in the real estate industry, spent five great years there, raised a big private equity round. Um, and after five and a half great years there, um, was recruited to join Rent Dynamics. And I've been here for two and a half years. In my first time being in a C-suite position, I'm, I'm the chief revenue officer and having an absolute field day, building out our go-to-market team. And I'm responsible for the whole customer choreography is what I call it. So I, I lead our marketing, sales, and CX org. I like that customer choreography. I never heard someone say that, but that's a good way to put it. So you're running all these different functions. So how do you how do you see marketing play a part in this revenue picture? I am definitely like a sales guy that believes deeply in the power of marketing. I've seen it work firsthand at every business I've been part of. And like you, I'm a consumer of marketing. And I think I spend a lot of time falling in love with brands because of the role that marketing plays in building, but also capturing demand. I think for me, like first and foremost, like I believe that marketing makes it easier for your business to find revenue. If that's through sales or through inbound, whatever it might be. Um, as we've grown over the past couple of years, we've gone from eight people on my team now up to, to 45 we've seen you know, a powerful impact of scaling our, our marketing team and, and simply make, making it easier to get into doors. Some of that's measurable. Some of that's really hard to measure. And I'm comfortable with both sides because our business has grown remarkably. And it's also been fun to see marketing's impact um, both on the internal as well as on the external side of the business. How do you um, think coming from sales basically shaped your view of marketing, because I, I getting from like a salesperson perspective, because I know a lot of salespeople come from 
most salespeople are doing pure outbound. They don't even get inbound. I don't know a lot of, it's actually, people don't know this, but if your company's doing inbound and you're doing a lot of inbound, it's like a salesperson's dream day, but a lot of absolutely aren't, aren't doing the inbound quantity that a lot of people do right now. So how do you think about it as a salesperson? How's, how, when was that moment of your perspective shift that marketing is needed? I think for us, like when I joined this business, it was just like white space, tons of opportunity for growth. And we've had back-to-back years of 100%, you know, year-over-year revenue growth. And one of the things that, you know, listening to the team when I first joined, it was it was hard to get into new opportunities, you know, very much an outbound motion. And I think we, you know, and, and me specifically, we just saw an opportunity to do some new things, do some things that were going to be really easy to measure, email marketing, paid advertising, thought leadership but also do things that were going to be much harder to measure. Lots of activity on social media, lots of conferences, both others as well as our own uh, podcasts. I run a personal podcast in the multifamily space called Modern Multifamily. And as we've really like kitchen synced the business over the past couple of years, our brand has grown, our reputation has grown, and it's also become much easier to get into new deals. But also, you know, the inbound motion has taken off as well. And it's also impacted our business much more broadly than, than just revenue creation because recruiting is now easier and things like that because we've got this reputation that's deep and wide within our industry. And in a niche like ours, real estate brand and reputation is a, is a total superpower in my opinion. I think even coming from like a sales perspective, you, one of my brother, both actually my brothers are in sales. So I get to talk to them a lot about sales, but one thing that, a lot of them have been in environments where they're prospecting in areas and the people don't even know the brand. And it's hard to even convince like sales-led leaders to invest in brand and invest in it for sales. But I think your mindset of seeing that brand is actually helping salespeople's lives easier, is it helps them get on calls that they wouldn't probably have never been on. And then that now that you have a reputation in the industry, it just makes it way easier for sales to, for the outbound motion and the inbound motion for Red Dynamics. So how how is your team structured right now? So how is the marketing team? How does it play with all different functions? So the, in this choreography of all the customer choreography, what part does marketing play? What part does sales play? What part does CS play in, in this? And how do they work together? Yeah, so we have a you know an alignment between marketing into outbound into sales and implementation into CX is kind of the the full fledged flow. We really see marketing as you know funnel like they own awareness, they own category creation, they own demand, uh, and they own pipeline. So rather than tying them to like an MQL type number, you know hard to gauge the quality of them. Like they're totally tied to pipeline. So if if it's not tying into actual, you know, sales accepted pipeline, marketing's not really singing praises. If they get a bunch of webinar downloads, it's only if they convert into sales pipe. So I think for us, like I look at marketing as the pipeline function, but much bigger than that, they're obviously involved in every aspect of our, our business with positioning. We have got great product marketing, social media. We've got two people that focus on our B2B as well as our B2C arm because we work with both businesses as well as the ed resident as well with our program. We've got a demand gen person who owns HubSpot and they do all of our outbound when it comes to 
content and email. And that's a cool motion for us because we're messaging businesses and also residents as it relates to our products. We're talking to millions of people in a given month. And then we've got a great vice president of marketing. His name's Trevor Park. And he's a longtime listener of your show. And he's really at the ship, you know, making sure that the business is plugging in well with the other functions. That quickly feeds into an outbound team. We've had a ton of success building an outbound team, hyper-personalization. We really believe in sales engagement. And they're fully focused on qualified meetings. So they work with marketing and with sales. And then sales is our full cycle sales org. We've got nine people that are in territory. Uh, and then we've got a lean but mighty implementation team. And we really focus them on what we call speed to revenue, making sure that post-close it's predictable and fast to get to billing. How do you get sales and marketing to agree on, okay, this is the, the pipeline number we're going with and marketing agrees they're going to hit it and sales agrees that that's the correct pipeline that they need to close the revenue number? You have to like create some sort of a listening period where you don't come out of the gate with metric, you know, obsession and you just like measure the business. We definitely took a healthy window of time when I joined to kind of see what was working, what was a baseline of good so that we could really define what our version of good, like our aspirational good would look like. And I think that's really been the baseline for us, Daniel, is like figuring out what we used to do. And as we scaled with resources, okay, what would we be happy with? What would incremental progress look like? And, you know, I think we we do a nice job of, of creating alignment just broadly in the business. We don't do a sales kickoff. We do a go-to-market kickoff. We kick off the whole business together, not just the sales team. So I think there's really like a a hashtag one team type motion that I'm the captain of culture. Like it's my important to set that tone in the business. So, I mean, a lot of it requires team leadership, team alignment, but also going top down, but also bottoms up listening to the team. And I'm also in a fortunate position because I've been able to build most of the team here. Um, much different if you inherit a team versus building one, like I've been able to do. One thing I think that which I like you said is it's a go to market function. Cause I think what people make a mistake is that one team owns go to market, whether it's marketing or owning go to market or sales owning go to market or CS or product. But if you get alignment that, okay, here's the goal for go to market where we're trying to do X amount of business. And then how does marketing play a part on that goal? How does sales play a part on that goal? How does CS play a part of the goal? How does product play a part of that goal? And then align the function together. I think it makes it so much easier than thinking about departments as silos and like marketing owns go to market. Because a lot of function, really the person who should own go to market is the CEO. The CEO should like give the CRO or the C-suite like this is the direction we're going. And then you relay that message to your leaders and be like, hey, sales, marketing, CS, this is where we're going. How would you do it in your perspective function? Yep, I completely agree. I, I see it the same way. And I mean, we were a good sized company. And I think even at the scale that we're at today, we do a lot of after action reviews, after conferences to make sure if there's a learning, we can apply it to the next one. Every department does a monthly roll up to the CEO that the whole executive team joins in on. And we definitely believe in progress over perfection. It's all over our core values to make sure that we go fast. I think fast, especially in marketing, is that speed is a weapon. I think rather than debating adjectives and font and color, which matter, like I believe in those things deeply, 
going quickly and being able to follow the signals is more important in my opinion. And I think we're, we're doing a good job of, you know, talking about what's working, acknowledging what's not, and then just quick iteration with the CEO at the helm, who's at the core of everything that we're doing. I think there's a ton to be said about organizational clarity, which is something that obviously makes a big difference, like you've already mentioned. People forget like your audience is your best measure of what's working as not, not your internal debates so of is that font great or is this the, the piece of content we should put out or is this the ad we should run? Run the ad, let the audience decide if it's good or not because it actually could be really good and your audience could love it or it could be really bad. And it happens with me all the time. My best, that I think is my best piece of content becomes the one that doesn't perform and the one that I think is super basic and not the greatest piece of work I put in there performs the best. And for me, best is what the audience loves. Best is not what you love. So that's the mind shift I had to get into is that best is if I'm doing the best thing for my audience, not what I think is the best piece of content or the best branding or the best this or the best that. Yep, I completely agree. So you became a first-time CRO. So how did it feel to make that jump into C-suite and how what... How did you get the resources to do that? Because a lot of people are in their career trying to make that career jump in there. It's from like manager to director, director to VP, VP. How do you become a first-time C-suite person? It's an awesome question. And it's probably like the number one thing I get in my like LinkedIn DMs. And I think one of the big things anyone can do is just commit to being a, a world-class learner and learn and consume as much as you can. There's so much content out there. I look at this podcast, you know, Chris Walker's podcast. And for me, like learning through just marketing and, and overarching education consumption has really helped because you can learn through doing, and I do believe in practical application, but you can also learn by others' failures. And I think there's a lot to be said about almost like building out your playbook before you, you have an opportunity to do the role. So that's like one piece of advice is be active in how you consume and really refine and, and always be be learning. The second like huge win, I'd call it a superpower for me, has been community. I've always been plugged in in private communities. Right now, uh, I'm deeply plugged in with HubSpot's Revenue Council. We meet in a pretty tight frequency. You know, it's senior level executives that are all focused on, on revenue and go to market. And, you know, that's been a phenomenal way for me to, inside of Rent Dynamics, be the person who can come up with answers and solutions, but behind closed doors, leaning on this network and community to be able to ask questions quite vulnerably. Hey guys, I'm looking to design my first comp plan for a growth marketer. Help. Or, hey, I'm hiring an SVP of sales for the first time. How do you recommend I run that recruiting process? Or, hey, we're really getting stuck on sales deals closing, but not moving quickly into revenue. How have you guys fixed that? Is that a comp plan thing? Is that a process thing? I do think there's massive power in community, which I'm sure you've experienced in your career. The answer I get the most from people who are VPs and above of how the biggest thing that helped them in their career was them building a, connect, a, a solid network throughout their career that if they have a problem in anything in marketing, they know who to go to. Even if it's not on their team, they can go to 
this person that they know is the best content person that they've worked with, or they got introduced to this person and it became this. Like they built a network throughout their career. And that's why it's so important that every stage you keep those connections or who you've worked with or who you've leaned on very tight. Because I think what you're doing, even with like the HubSpot council and consuming through other people, you don't feel alone in your role, which sometimes like most marketing roles feel like that because you're the only person in your company that does X and you can't really learn from anybody else except that person. So it's good to build, start building your network earlier than later. Yep. I totally agree. And I, I also think like the last thing I'd share is no matter what like role you're at hierarchy wise within a business, as soon as you kind of like take a deeper look at trying to understand like what your investors or what your board or what your C-suite truly care about, it really gives you this new like filter in which you can figure out how you can best align yourself to the type of work that matters the most when it comes to managing and operating a business. And I think marketers especially can really like take a deep dive there just to like ask your COO or your CMO or your CEO or whatever it might be like about those true things that matter the very most. What are the number one agenda items on the executive weekly agenda? How can my department help? And I think that's where just like alignment to the metrics and the, you know, initiatives that matter the most for anybody can help you gain better line of sight to how you can re-architect your career. And to your point earlier, that also gives you an opportunity to gain much deeper connection with people from a networking perspective that you typically might not interact with. And most people are kind. Most people will take take a call or a Slack chat or whatever it might be. Even starting at the beginning of your career, if you line to the goals your boss has and the goals your boss's boss have, and then to the business goals, and you align what you do to those goals, you'll see a way easier progression in your career because you're achieving business outcomes. Sometimes you have to filter if your boss's goals are actually like a line. That's why I say sometimes go one step higher or one step higher. That's why all hands are one of the most important meetings because if you say, okay, the top three business goals are these three, then you can think about, okay, my role, how am I doing things that are going to do get closer to that goal or am I, and then you can waste away things that aren't getting closer to that goal. And are, am I doing, what am I doing making my boss's life easier? Am I doing making my boss's boss life easier and hitting their goals? And if you're helping everybody hit their goals, then you progress in your career. It's an easier way to think about it. Yep. One thing that you've aligned with is with people in the org. So how do you think about aligning with technology throughout the org? Because I think a lot of people have the problem where technology is as siloed as the people on there. So how do you think about a tech stack that is helps you scale throughout a whole customer org? There are two things that I like deeply believe in when it comes to technology. One is what gets measured is ultimately what gets managed. That's like a super ancient saying, but I think it's matter. It, it matters like focusing on the metrics that matter most removing all of the vanity and making sure that you have tools, processes, and you know obsession with making sure that the business is architected to hit those. The second thing is I really believe that you know your people should be doing the things that are the highest and best use of their time. One of the things that as a consumer personally that I 
just am totally obsessed with is best in class, like using the best possible thing to do something, even if it's super niche. And that's definitely been like a big part of our approach here at Rent Dynamics is really putting in a go-to-market technology stack that enables each of those departments I've talked about across marketing, feeding all the way into CS and account management to have tooling that makes their role easier, both to do, but also to report on. Because we have so many blind spots in business that without tooling, technology, but also like measurement obsession, it's so hard to know what's working and what's not, especially as you scale. And so for us, you know, there's been a couple really important plays that we've made from a technology standpoint. They've been expensive, but they've also paid themselves off quite quickly, um, especially as we've been able to commit to getting partners that understand like where we're trying to go from a long-term standpoint. And we've even gotten to the point where we've really designed roles around our core technologies. And we do have a revenue operations function that manages the stack, which also makes it really nice. So a revenue operations manager who reports to me and someone on his team that really are in the data and making sure that we glean insights, take action, iterate quickly. I just had this talk with a previous podcast I had about the design org, but a lot of things in people's role that they do tedious stuff, if you could figure out how to automate the 20, 30, 40% manual tax, the output of that person becomes way higher and you could do more with them. A lot of people don't think, they think, oh, maybe I should hire another person or maybe I should do something else. But like first, the two things I look at is, are they focused on like the right the right things? That's usually like the biggest problem. Or are there things that they're doing that are so manual that technology can replace those things with so they can do more of the stuff that actually matters to the business? So absolutely, the way you're thinking about it is right. And then also having operations handle it is a really good idea because yeah. you shouldn't have a marketer managing their own technology um, by themselves. So. Well, and one, one of the lessons I've made at a past company is you buy a piece of technology before your organization's ready for it and it gets dusty. You never get it off the ground. And when we brought on like the HubSpot, marketing engine. Um, We had revenue operations in place. We launched that thing twice as fast as they told us we'd be able to. And we were able to use that to unlock, to your point, consolidation of resources instead of two people was just one. And the efficiency skyrocketed. But more than anything, having a plan and an owner to make sure that integration and connectivity happens too, because especially for us, lots of tools that talk to each other, which does really matter. The key for me is like document the manual process and see what like if technology could solve that manual process. A lot of people don't even do the manual process. It, they're like, okay, technology will help me with this, but tools are only as good as the people who use the tools. So if you don't have people who could use the tools or you don't have a good process to plug into the tools, then the tool is basically useless to you. So yeah, that's a good point. What is a marketing hill you would die on? A marketing hill I would die on is that not all of your marketing needs to be easy to attribute. It does not need to be easy to measure. I think there are signals in marketing that matter a lot. Feedback, things that don't necessarily show up in your war report. And obsession with measurement is real right now, especially with the economic headwinds that we're facing. But 
in my like radical belief, marketing should be hard to measure, but there should be signals in your business that it's working that allow you to keep doubling down on those things that matter. Because a lot of marketing to me is a feeling, uh, fuels winning, fuels recruiting, it fuels conviction. And I'm not sure if that's specific enough, Daniel, but that's definitely a big one that I believe. I always say that measurement is a compass for the org. Like say you're going on a hike, like measurement will tell you, okay, like most of the time this happens, but there's a lot of things that will happen. Then like a bear comes out of nowhere and it's unpredictable or like things happen on the hike that you have to divert. Maybe a tree falls or something that you have to divert. And that is where experience comes as like the hiker to like, no, like I need to do something or I need to get fuel up here or I need to do this or that path is more slippery than another. But the, the compass will tell you or the, will tell you, okay, this is the good general direction to go in in the safer direction. And then you can use other signals like weather and this to tell like where you should go. But the rest is just experience telling you yep. like how to do that. And that's what measurement is to me. And also one thing that people forget is that all data is in the past. Like all data is in the past. It can help guide you, but the most innovative things happen when you just take data as like informing and then coming up with your own thing, because data is very rational usually and irrational ideas can come from a lot, a lot of rational things. So that's right. And this is coming from someone in marketing ops who loves data. I think data is great. I just think that too many people over rely on data and under rely on like feeling and speed to learn. And they wait and to the last minute. And usually most of the time the data doesn't even tell them what they need to know. So just move fast marketers out there. Yeah. Um, but also set up a good place to measure and also have multiple ways to measure. Don't just have marking attribution. Have have I know Chris Walker has this, but like I how do you hear about us on the forum? Have many different ways to measure your marketing. Don't rely on marketing technology to do all the measurement for you. Totally agree. I mean, self-reported attribution, like you just mentioned, is such an easy way to just get another signal of, hey, that thing we did a long time ago actually materialized. Let's double down on the podcast or events or whatever it might be. But yeah, that's well said, Daniel. A lot of it, as you said, is stuff that you hear in the market that isn't measured. A lot of it is feeling. You could tell when you start a podcast and multiple people start DMing you or people are sharing it in their Slack channels, sharing your podcast in their Slack channels and you can't see that. Or someone says, hey, you made my day better. That doesn't come in any report. And, but it does, you just help so many marketers do their job better that, or whoever you're serving do their job better that in the long run, that will make your brand stand out and ultimately get more revenue because you're becoming someone that's helping another person now. Uh, last thing I have for you is what is some advice you would give someone starting out at their career today? One piece of advice I'd give someone who's like early days in their career, you know, gumption wanting to go fast is kind of an attitude, like a mindset that I've taken on that's really felt like a superpower in my career. And I find a lot of joy 
in looking around in the business, whether it's peers, superiors, whatever it might be, and realizing that everyone that I work with is making it up as they go. I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, looking around and realizing that most people have never had this exact problem with this exact thought, data point, whatever it might be in front of them. And there's a lot to be said about gaining confidence in just going and being the one to speak up or to sign up for the project or to be vulnerable when it comes to doing something that you've never done before. I think confidence holds a lot of people back, especially in the early days. I think it's easy to feel intimidated. And as soon as you realize that a lot of people have never been at that exact point before either, gives you a lot more confidence to say, why, why can't I be the person to do that thing? And I think that mindset, at least for me, hasn't necessarily made me cocky, but I think it's definitely filled, filled me with confidence over the past 15 years. What's helped me is surrounding myself with people that are where I want to be in my career. Obviously, I 100% believe in peer mentors and I have a lot of peer mentors, like people at the same level. But if you have a couple of people that you realize those people are just normal people figuring out things out the same way you are, maybe they have a little bit more experience or they got lucky in their career or they were in the right place at the right time. But a lot of them are still figuring out how does this role work? And that's why like, a lot of marketing, you could take a marketer and put them in another company and the company doesn't succeed because a lot of it is just like they were the right place, right time. They knew how to run that business very well and they don't know how to do the other business. So that's why marketing is so fun and interesting because you can learn as you go. Also, just like career in general is very totally. interesting. So that's, that's some great advice. The last piece is where can people find you and what you're doing? Yeah, so I'm very active on LinkedIn, Mike Wilbur, uh, pretty easy to find. I've got a bright green background and an AI headshot that, looked, that turned out pretty cool. And I also run a, a podcast focused on the modern, the multifamily industry. So not everyone thinks about real estate or technology, but if so, uh, modernmultifamily.fm, you can find all things podcast and newsletter for my content. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining this. It's been awesome. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.